Hello everyone and welcome to Season 3 of Backyard Geology. This season I will be taking you across the world on a geologic pilgrimage to visit natural sites that have played a key role in our understanding of the Earth, its history, and the processes by which it has evolved. The present is the key to the past. Join me on a journey to sites where you can peer deep into the mantle and deep into time to understand the evolution of our spectacular planet. This week's journey takes us to the Arctic land of Svalbard. The Arctic is vast, there is no doubt about that. In fact, many of us have never, and likely will never, visit the Arctic during our lifetimes. The conditions are harsh, the majority of locations are remote and hard to access, and sunlight doesn't touch the lands during the winter months. The land above the Arctic Circle, which sits at 66 degrees north, is home to only about 2 million permanent inhabitants, which is a small proportion of about the 7,500 million inhabitants of our planet. But despite this fact, the Arctic is heavily experiencing the effects of climate change, more so than other parts of the Earth with more inhabitants and more industrial developments. When it comes to studying climate change, Svalbard, which is part of Norway, is a key location and its geologic features are recording modern climate change in action. Svalbard is an archipelago, that is, a group of islands located at about 80 degrees north. If you are not familiar with latitude measurements, here is a mini crash course. If you imagine a disk at Earth's equator, the latitude is the angle aligned to that point, in this case Svalbard, will make with that disk. So the equator is located at 0 degrees and the North Pole is located at 90 degrees north. Thinking back to elementary school math and picturing this in your head, you can see that Svalbard is really quite high up there at 80 degrees north. Its capital, Longyearbyen, is the world's northernmost settlement with a population of over 1,000, about 2,400 to be exact. And the town hosts the University Center in Svalbard, or UNIS, which focuses on Arctic studies. There is barely any vegetation in Svalbard, making looking at the rocks a breeze, that is, when they aren't covered in snow. The rocks themselves stretch several geologic periods, hosting fragments from the Precambrian, more than 541 million years ago, to recent sedimentary deposits shifted around by glaciers. While I love talking about rocks specifically, geology is a broad field, and you may be surprised to hear that it is not just about the rocks. In the case of Svalbard, it is the cryosphere that is of particular interest in terms of climate research. The term cryosphere covers those portions of the Earth that include water in its solid form, ice. The main elements of the cryosphere on Svalbard are glaciers, permafrost, and the snowpack. Each group is experiencing the effects of climate change, and each group is changing accordingly in a measurable and observable way. Grab a jacket because things are about to get chilly. Glaciers are persistent masses formed by the accumulation and compaction of ice and snow, 
which moves slowly over the landscape. Over time, glacial ice is so dense that longer wavelengths, those on the red side of the visible spectrum, cannot pass through ice, and only small wavelengths, those on the blue side of the visible spectrum, are transmitted. This yields spectacular blue and turquoise-colored ice, making ice caves and tunnels popular in the geotourism world. The movement and size of glaciers is driven by temperature, and therefore the seasons. About 60% of Svalbard's surface is covered by glaciers and a large variety of glaciers at that. The inland portions are drier and colder and host cold-based glaciers, which don't move a lot due to a lack of melting. Those on the coast, on the other hand, are exposed to more drastic temperature changes and more precipitation, making them warm-based and more mobile. The movement of glaciers and the amount of material accumulation and material ablation, meaning wasting, are ways that changes in climate change can be quantified from the glaciers. Svalbard is also a hotspot for glacial surges, which are typically short-lived events of abnormally fast glacial movement, allowing glaciers to move at alarming speeds, sometimes several meters per day. Increased melting in the Arctic is only increasing the number of surge events, as meltwater increases the mobility of glaciers at their bases. Permafrost is the subsurface soil that remains frozen throughout the year. We have this here in Canada, and in southern Ontario it tends to be a few meters below the ground, for reference. While permafrost depth is highly dependent on soil type and lithology, the ground in Svalbard is basically all permafrost, though the uppermost layer, the active layer as it is known, can get about one meter deep during the summer months of May through August. Recently, some areas are seeing a doubling in the depth of the active layer with the increase in average temperature. Measuring the depth of the permafrost is one way to quantify the effects of Arctic warming. The cold climate at 80 degrees north is what maintains these cold features. With so much of the landscape dependent on climate, Svalbard becomes a perfect place to measure the effects of climate change. In addition, colder climates tend to have more tangible and visible changes with climate adjustments, namely in the form of the cryospheric features. If you think about the rainforest, a few degrees does not significantly alter what you might visibly observe. But in Svalbard, a few degrees will drastically change the landscape, especially when combined with the amplification of climate change that happens in polar regions. You may be asking yourself how we can see amplification of climate change in a region with so few inhabitants and intense urban landscapes. The Arctic is experiencing greater warming compared to the global average. Currently, Svalbard has seen an increase in average temperatures by close to 4 degrees Celsius, while globally the average temperature has increased only about 1 to 1.5 degrees Celsius. This is due primarily to the positive feedback loop of albedo, the percentage of light reflected off of a surface. Black surfaces, which absorb all light, have an albedo of 0, while white surfaces have an albedo of 1, reflecting light. The Arctic, compared to other regions, has a surplus of white surfaces, snow and ice, 
They reflect most sunlight, which prevents melting. But as the Earth warms, snow and ice melt and albedo decreases, meaning that more solar radiation is absorbed and therefore more melting occurs. As more melting occurs, more radiation is absorbed as albedo goes down, and so on and so on. The circle, which in this case is vicious, amplifies global warming in these regions. While a few degrees may not seem like the end of the world, its effects on the Arctic features of Svalbard are massive. After speaking with someone who has lived there, I was shocked to hear how changes in the local cryosphere are affecting wildlife and the general appearance of the land. As I read papers on this topic, I began to understand just how delicate these ecosystems are. And for one dominated by ice, the melting that is occurring as a result of global warming is drastically changing the synergistic relationships between organisms. For one, there is rain during the winter months as opposed to snow. At 80 degrees north, this is an unusual sight. Rain over snow events changes the composition of the snowpack, which reindeer dig through to eat ground cover. Rain that freezes over snow makes the ground inaccessible to these reindeer, thereby causing them a shortage in food sources. Polar bears, who depend on sea ice for pathways between hunting, mating, and denning grounds, are finding themselves stranded. Denning typically happens on land in areas where rough topography allows for deeper snow accumulation, whereas hunting of seals typically occurs on the sea ice. The disruption of these pathways has led to a decrease in the polar bear population and an increase in the seal population, who are now struggling to find enough breeding grounds themselves on sea ice. Meanwhile, pink-footed geese who prefer the low snow cover of the spring months to nest in, are nesting earlier and earlier as snow cover melts sooner, allowing for an increase in breeding pairs and higher success of breeding. While the geese in this case are benefiting from the lack of snow, you can appreciate from these examples how temperature is driving significant changes in this ecosystem. As local species fight the changes, increasingly Svalbard is experiencing borealization, or an increase in temperate boreal species, which are slowly replacing the Arctic species that are not well adapted to the conditions brought about by Arctic warming, for example, the polar bears and their ice roads. Species like the great skua are benefiting from the warming and have been observed breeding in Svalbard as early as the 1970s, and local populations are growing. Temperature is the driving force for the changes in Svalbard's local cryosphere. Observing its glacial features and associated ecosystems makes it an excellent location to understand the profound impacts of climate change and Arctic warming. The role of geologists, and in the case of Svalbard, those who study the cryosphere, is to quantify the effects of climate change to present objective information on the topic, and Svalbard's obvious observable changes makes it a notable research hub in this sense. I hope that observations and information drawn from Svalbard will prove to be advantageous in future climate-related decisions. Thank you for listening. A special thanks goes to Hedda Anderson, 
a glaciologist who has studied in Oslo and on Svalbard with the University of Oslo and the University Centre in Svalbard, who spoke with me about Svalbard and its incredible but delicate climate. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your family and friends. The International Geologic Pilgrimage of Backyard Geology is part of the Geology Podcast Network and is sponsored by Travelling Geologist. You can find more episodes from the Geology Podcast Network wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Traveling Geologist to never miss a new release. Remember, geology rocks.